This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is a podcast about soggy bottoms and good bakes. On your mark. Get set. Bake. Bake. (laughs) We're never going to get it together. (laughs) Hi, everyone. It's week two. It's biscuit week. And this week, I am joined by a very special guest. Joy has other things going on today. (laughs) So I am here with Tina. Hi, Tina. Hello. Happy to be here. Tina is a wonderful longtime listener and friend of the pod. Oh, hi, Brandon. Thank you. Coffee delivery. Coffee delivery. He brought me a mug with a sweater on it. It is very appropriate. It's cold (laughs) outside. Um, And Tina is a food stylist. I feel like your job is so much more than a food stylist. Can you describe your job as a scotch? Yes, it's changed now. So now I am the food producer at uh, Hearst Lifestyle Group, which encompasses a bunch of different magazines. One of which is the big one is Good Housekeeping and Women's Health. So I develop recipes there. I test recipes there. I do video content. I food style. That's what I do there. It's so cool. I love watching your like behind the scenes on your Instagram. Um, but all that to say that Tina is very, very qualified to judge baking things. <laughs> which and to talk about food. Yeah. Um, so we're so excited to have you today. So week two, biscuit week, here we go. Yep. Cookies. We have our notes. We're ready. <laughs> cookies, in other words. Yeah. So I liked the opening skit. They did like a little opening skit about how they were like creating a biscuit that, that you could dunk in your tea forever and it would never dissolve. And the secret was a very thin layer of concrete. That felt like a, <laughs> like a classic <laughs> bake-off opening. I loved it. We're, we're starting to, to hear about how they feel about biscuits. Dana is already stressed. We get started with the signature challenge, which they want 12 identical marshmallow biscuits. They must be delicious biscuits, obviously. For the signature, they want 12 identical marshmallow biscuits. They must be delicious biscuits, either topped or sandwiched with marshmallow. They have two and a half hours. They're looking for balanced flavor and a great decoration that looks professional. Tina, have you ever made homemade marshmallows? I have, but not to the effect that they're doing it, which is just like a soft marshmallow cream. I've always added then the confectioner sugar to then make marshmallows, like the full-on jiggly, exactly, marshmallow. Like a square that you can like put in a s'more type of thing. Exactly. I've made marshmallows a few times too. And it is tricky with the, anytime like a candy thermometer is involved, I get nervous. Same, same. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you have this like fine line of, wet the temperature and I noticed also I'm not sure if it was this recipe but there but there was like a very thin layer and the temperature actually the thermometer doesn't like reach that so they're all finagling to figure out how to get the right temperature and it's like when you're dealing with that it's like you have this like time limit so it's it was very crucial I felt yes the timing the heat was very it was very finicky starting with Dana she is making a speculus biscuit this is not a word that I'm familiar with cookie butter oh thank you who knew well Tina knew this it is a spiced biscuit with vanilla marshmallow it's inspired by her Indian upbringing hers she uses this really intricate mold that it sort of looks like for absolute wild lack of a better descriptor a very fancy turd that is very accurate actually <laughs> yes I was like, it's how a great I description describe this? yep but this is the drama. This is the Bake Off drama, right? It's like, oh, it's not going to come out of the mold. This is why we love Bake Off is because this is as suspenseful as it gets. Mm-hmm. And I think that because Dana had like a peanut butter rather than a chocolate, peanut butter doesn't set as well as chocolate. 
So if she maybe have added like coconut oil or some kind of something that solidifies, I don't know what she added. It might have had a better chance of setting. Got it. That's good to that's good to know because probably all the fat in there. I mean, it's just like very yeah yeah. Only three of the twelve break, which they really play up in the editing. So really at the end of the day, I I think that that was a win. But the interior looks good. It's delicious, very spicy. Paul thinks the biscuit is overly flavored, but Prue does not agree, which I kind of like it when they disagree because Prue's like, give this this person a break. This is delicious. (laughs) Okay, next up we have Keith. Next up we have Keith. He is making a PB&J wagon wheel. Keith, we find out at the beginning of this segment, used to do stand-up and Allison really tries to get him to like do a bit and he is like, please leave. (laughs) He's like, you're the funny one. I can't be funny on command. Yeah. Get out of here. (laughs) His decoration is a mess. Keith is a mess. He, it's really delicious, but it's just too messy. The marshmallow holds its shape. The biscuit is great. The flavors are great, but it is so messy. Like not even cute messy, just sloppy. Sloppy. All right. Next up we have Dan. He's making chocolate banana and peanut butter. A lot of peanut butter going on here. He have a peanut butter ganache with banana, marshmallow, and dark chocolate cover. It's a little messy. There's a lot going on the inside though. The texture is spot on. The flavor combos are a little odd, they say, which I think is weird because this feels like a classic flavor combination to me. But they're like, it's technically perfect, but just like the flavor combos are a little bit weird. I don't know. I feel like he does fine. Christy, who's does not stand out anymore in week two. I was waiting for her to no. like, no, she just, I don't know if it's like the way she talks very monotone. I don't know if maybe like she has some Botox and her face just doesn't move the way I would expect it to. Why is she so hard for me to like get? No, I thought the same thing. When you guys said that last week, I was like, they showed her like halfway through the episode and I'm like, who is this woman? And <laughs> Where did she come from? Where is she from? <laughs> I mean, this time I was like, oh, they're giving her like a little bit more camera time because they kind of have to now. But still, nothing. Nothing. Nothing Mm-mm. at all. And every time she talks, she's just like very, she she seems unenthused to be there. She's like, oh, yes, I am making this. And you're like, are you excited? Are you having emotions about it? It's hard to tell. There's a few people that are just a little bit boring. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is what it is. Amy says, I assume she's going home soon because she gets so little camera time. That's a good point. <laughs> Um, she's making rose tea cakes and my, and my comments are rose. No, rose water. No, we know better. They're going to be white chocolate and mixed with, sorry, covered in white chocolate with little roses on it. And then she's going to have a mixed berry jam. All of these things are red flags. White chocolate is the red flag because it melts at a lower temperature than regular chocolate. So a lot of times if people use white chocolate, they have a hard time with it melting. The whole situation I'm very worried about, but actually she pulls it off. Mm Mm-hmm. For the first time ever, they say that the rose flavor is well balanced. Mm-hmm. It's a win. It's a win. They look good too. Like the, the little yeah, they cute look little cute roses. with the little flowers. Yeah, They're, they look like a little paisley teacup. So, <laughs> Christy, despite your best efforts, you have done something memorable. First ever correct usage of rose water on Bake Off. Maddie is making chocolate and orange sandwich biscuit with orange marshmallow. It looks decent. The chocolate is too thick. The orange jam is good. They wished he would have done a layer of jam instead of a blob. He sort of, oh, a sticker is stuck to my finger. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but I was just gesturing and unbeknownst to me, picked up a sticker from my, I have a, um, Evie created this like little Halloween sticker paper that it's sitting right in front of my computer and it got stuck to my hand. Okay, back to the show. He like basically created this little like secret, like if you think about the cross section of it, the marshmallow and the chocolate and the biscuit were like surrounding this little inner molten lava core of jam. Sphere, yeah. Yeah. 
like a like the center of the earth type of situation. They thought he should have done a layer so that you could have gotten gotten that jam in every single bite. So okay, that's fine. That feels like a pretty tiny critique. Nikki, who I still love and love her collar. She has this like big collar on this week and it's coming out over her apron and it's so freaking cute. I don't know how much longer she's gonna last. Though, I agree to be with honest. you. <laughs> she's like slid under the radar. Like she probably, I mean. Two weeks in a row. We'll get to it. Yeah. I know. She is making ginger and rhubarb jam with vanilla marshmallow and pistachio shortbread covered in chocolate. I am not sure what happens. I have sort of a mystery here, but the jam is missing in her final product. They're like, where's the jam? And she's like, I swear it's in there. And like, they're like, no, it's literally not. They're like, sli- like dissecting it. Do you think she forgot it? it? I, maybe. I mean, how could it leak out? It could not leak out. And Unless it was like super like actual liquid. Liquid, yeah. <laughs> and even then, it's such a strong flavor. Even a liquid layer you think would come through for ginger and rhubarb. Like saturate the cookie or something. Yeah. Well, Brianna says, you do watch her put a thin layer on. And she says, I'm not going to do too much. Okay, guys, you're proving us wrong. I must have been taking notes during that that shot because it is like you practically just evaporates into thin air. And they're like, where is your jam? So generally speaking, like the marshmallow and the shortbread are fine, but they're like, this doesn't taste like anything really. Like where is the the rhubarb ginger flavor we're supposed to be getting? Josh is making a black forest themed biscuit with vanilla marshmallow, dried cherry biscuit, and black forest jam. They look neat and identical. They look great inside. Good balance of flavors. Josh does great. I feel like we always have, we didn't talk about this last week, but Josh is a chemical biologist. Like anytime you have a chemist, it's, I mean, baking is chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you know, he's got to understand and he seems to be doing really well. He's like very technically proficient, which I feel like goes with being a little chemical scientist. Yeah. He's like a little, I guess that perfectionism, but he's also like a little boring to me too. I agree with you. Yeah. He's not like, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's got some, no, some like, he's got like the, what's the word I'm looking for? Rugby. The word of my brain was serving me with oh, rhubarb I, and it's so close to rugby. <laughs> Like I was watching and I was like, did I just like not, I was like, I don't even think I paid attention to him till last week. And like this week I was like, he's really like, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. His personality is a little. At fat. least like Jurgen was like, he was like very technical, but he was amazing. Amazing. Oh, Jurgen. Um, the best. Yeah. Amy says this is definitely a less fun overall cast. Like, and maybe they'll kind of come into themselves a little bit, but I agree. There's, there's fewer like big personalities this time around. It's like Allison's the biggest personality. Yeah. <laughs> Which she's got a big personality. So that's yeah. Cool. Saku is making pistachio shortbread and raspberry jam with her marshmallow. She loves pistachio and we love Saku. So I also love pistachio. How do you feel about pistachio? Um, I do like it. It's not like my go-to, but when it's added to something, I'm like, oh, that's that's nice. Yeah. Like, gives yeah. It, it, like it's a little, it feels like an elevated flavor to me. Like there's something yeah. about it. It feels a little fancy. It's expensive. It is expensive. Maybe that's why it feels elevated is because it is pricey. And then her flavors are good, but the biscuit is slightly underbaked. So she's okay. Tasha is making a malted chocolate milk biscuit with malted chocolate shortbread, malted marshmallow, and caramelized white chocolate ganache. I'm so excited that you're here, Tina, because I wanted to ask you, what do you flavor that, like, what is the flavor of malt? You know, I am so glad you asked this question because we made a malted chocolate ice cream. I was like, I've never had the flavor malt, I think. And everyone was like, what? So we bought this. It's it's not the same thing as like malt from like a beer. No, it's like a malted milk powder. And it's not like, I can't even describe it. It's like so slight, like when you add it to something 
it just gives like a little bit more depth to whatever you're making. And it's also different from like a malt ball, you know, like malt balls. It's not as like a strong as a malt ball, but you add it to like what we, like I said, we added it to ice cream. So it's just like a very slight sort of flavor. I, like I, I can't even really describe it to be honest. I feel like this was common in children's drinks, kind of like the 80s and 90s. Like Carnation Instant Breakfast. Yeah, or Mm -hmm. like, I'm, and I'm wondering if they're, let's see here, I'm going to Google it. The benefit of malt powder, a heart-healthy mix, malt contains fiber, potassium, folate, and vitamin B6, which together can lower cholesterol and decrease the risk of cardiac disease. It's probably not why they were adding adding it to children's drinks. Supports digestive health. So there must be something in it that they felt it was like a nutritional additive. Because otherwise, why wouldn't they have just given like kids chocolate milk? So I am glad you know that the answer to that because yeah, I can like sort of imagine the difference between a chocolate shake and a chocolate malt where it's nuttier is not the right word, but it's sort of like in that category of flavors. Yeah, I would. Yeah, and like just like a little bit more depth, I guess. I don't want to say creamy because it's not creamy. Yeah, it's just. Oh, Allison said it's a toasty caramel flavor, which I think is yeah more like toasty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a brown flavor. It's like a tan to brown flavor. Um, Even though it's white. <laughs> that's right. Right. But like it's in the flavor category of things that are tan and brown, which is a big category, I guess, to be fair. <laughs> but it looks great. The biscuit is a great texture. The flavors are great. And Tasha gets a handshake mm-hmm. and nails it. She's big doing time. great. She is, yeah. When she like is in her groove, she does amazing. I think she's come up with good flavors too. They're not like too out there, but they're just out there enough to be different. They're a little something extra, right? She's it's not, not going chocolate rogue. and orange, right? Yeah, or it's not even like you know just based on a chocolate chocolate malt balls or something. She has like a whole story around it. I love it. I really like Tasha. Abby is next. She's making a Tunisian inspired saffron marshmallow with pistachio and cardamom shortbread and orange curd. We come to find out that Abby spent many years of her childhood in Tunisia, which is so interesting. So cool. And her biscuits are a bit messy, but they're okay. There's too much orange flavor, but it's a good biscuit. They say it needed more finesse, which just kind of goes with last week when um, Prue said that her cake looked like an informal cornucopia. And we all know that informal is like a to the heart insult from Prue (laughs) that is covered up with like a very (laughs) benign word. It looks a bit informal is what she says when she thinks something is very messy. So Abby, I think, is coming across as a little informal, but maybe she'll lock it up. Rowan is making lemon and raspberry shortbread with parma violet marshmallow and raspberry gel. As soon as he says parma violet, Ra- Paul is like, mm-hmm. oh, my grandma used to eat those and they're disgusting. And he's like, what do you do? What do you do? Have you had parma violets? I'm not familiar it with these. It sounds like soapy to me, right? Yeah. Allison, our um, resident UK expert, is in the chat. Maybe she has a uh, background on this. Is this like a UK thing? Is this like the UK equivalent of your grandma having butterscotches in her purse, which is an American thing? Or like breath mints or something. A grandma thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is this a grandma thing? What is Parma Violet? What does it taste like? I agree with you. I was like imagining it being... Oh, sweet. What's Billy flavor? They are very, are very sweet, Billy, fle- not a grandma thing. Okay. Well, Allison loves them. So if you could serve this to Allison, she would have been thrilled. But what's a Billy flavor? That's know. something new too. You think that's a typo? I don't know. We're going to find out. Billy. Oh, violet flavor. Oh. I still think that seems so... Oh, yeah. Like lavender. Yeah. So okay. maybe it's like, it was just like a subtle lavender, which can work in sweets, we know. Yeah. But I feel like anytime you're coming in with a floral flavor, it's a risk. He starts second-guessing his violet flavors immediately, needless to say. And so he only really adds one drop, 
So they're neat as a pin, says Prue. They look great. The violet doesn't come through because you only added one drop, but they are happy that the violet doesn't come through and they end up loving the flavors. He does great. I think he took the feedback. A lot of times the judges are going around and they're like, oh my gosh, you're doing that? That's a terrible idea. And the bakers are like, no, it's not. I'm going to do it great. And then it flops. And he took the feedback and was like, you don't like violet? Heard. I will be skipping the violet. And that was the right call, Rowan. Good job. So Tasha comes out on top of this challenge. Rowan, I think, is in the mix as well. Maybe Josh. At the bottom, we definitely have have Keith and maybe Abby. What do you think? I thought, yeah, I definitely thought Tasha. I thought Rowan possibly. Wait, no, Rowan. No, Rowan, not not Rowan. Josh. Yeah. Josh, Dan, even though it was a bit messy. Yeah. And Tasha. I feel like Dan is so consistent too. Like he has yet, I mean, we'll kind of see what happens in the next the next couple of challenges, but he's so level-headed. Like he has yet to get full, you know, spun up about anything. Yeah. Allison says, do you have violet creams? Uh, that sounds familiar to me, but I don't think we've, I've ever had one. It would, I don't think we really have them in the U.S. I don't think I've ever heard of that. No. So anyway, needless to say, we don't have violet flavored things over here, apparently. Okay, going into the technical, the comment, they always give a cryptic comment before they leave the tent, is use your time wisely. They want a batch of 12 identical custard creams. This is a short buttery biscuit with custard buttercream. They have one and a half hours. And the key to this is they need to chill the biscuit dough before baking because they have a little stamp that it goes on. And then the custard filling also needs to be chilled otherwise it'll just be too runny. These look like, imagine, a for anyone in the U.S. who has no idea what a custard cream is, imagine a square vanilla Oreo. That's what this looks like. Like that's like the quality of the stamp on the cookie. And in fact, I think like that's probably how I would describe this is like then it has this like kind of frosty sandwich cookie, yeah. yeah. Sandwich cookie with thick custard in the middle. Immediately, Keith is struggling. His dough is not cold enough. His stamp is not really working. Some people are struggling with the stamp. Their dough is like getting stuck in it like a Play-Doh mold. And everyone is rushing. Christy accidentally uses Rowan's biscuit dough and pulls it out of the fridge, which actually comes out, turns out fine. Like in the end, his biscuits go great. And I think it's because she was like meticulously rolling it out and was like, oh, here's your perfectly rolled out dough. And he was like, okay, thanks. This is, there's some drama here. Everyone's rushing. I think that also with something like this, really, sometimes I'm not sure like with a recipe like this, if they want them to perform well, or they want to see who can perform the fastest because an hour and a half for a chilled dough that needs to be baked properly. I really felt like time was really the enemy here. And I don't know if anyone could have gotten this done in an hour and a half. Like I had to do so many Christmas cookies over the last couple weeks. And I was just like timing, you have to work so fast. And if you don't have the exact recipe, like this was a struggle, I think, from start to finish for anybody, really. I think they've gotten this criticism recently in the recent seasons too, where it's like some of these technicals, you can't succeed. Like there isn't a world where this goes well because they don't give you enough time. And we've saw, we saw that a couple of times last season. And a lot of people have criticized them for that, where it's like, this isn't fun to watch, where you're not allowing them the time that they need to actually do something well. And so everyone is just frantic and stressed. And sure, like put a little bit of a time crunch on it because this is a pretty simple recipe, but not to the point where there's no way to pull it off. Yeah, that's, that's how I felt. I agree. Yeah. Because if you have a tent of 11 very accomplished bakers and no one nails it, that's sort of like the professor who says like, who puts out a test that he doesn't expect anyone to pass, where it's like, why are you doing that? It doesn't make any sense. But in the end, Keith comes in last. They're messy, misshapen, rushed. Saku is next to last. 
a real mess, they say, underbaked. And then we'll skip over the rest of the group. In second comes Dan. They say, this is great. It was just not as good as number one, which was Abby, which is the opposite of what we were saying a minute ago with her being a little bit messy because these had to be very like specific. Perfect, yeah. Yeah. So she did great. Good job, Abby. Coming back from her reputation of being uh, informal. Okay. Showstopper time. We have an illusion biscuit display. It needs to depict your favorite meal. It can be any style of biscuit, must taste amazing and look visually realistic. You have four hours. So this is like you're making something, making your biscuits look like something they're not. So Tina, what's your favorite meal? What would you make if you were making this? Yeah, we were talking about this last night. I mean, if I had to pick my favorite meal, it would probably be like eggplant parm and like pasta or something. But maybe I would do like pizza. Um, that would be a close second. What about you? I mean, it would have to be soup. But like, soup? how would I do? <laughs> but how would I do that? I don't know. I mean, um, we'll get to this. But uh, Tasha makes a, ch- a cat- chicken katsu, which is like sort of soup esque. So maybe I would do like a ramen or something that had a lot of different parts in it. Because yeah, otherwise I don't know how I would do like a bunch of stuff floating in a liquid. But maybe a close second would be like, I love doing breakfast for dinner. Mm-hmm. So maybe pancakes, like a, like a brainer. Yeah, pancakes yeah. and bacon. That would have probably been, I'm kind of surprised no one did a breakfast. A lot but of charcuterie plates. A lot of charcuterie plates, which was, they turned out great. So starting off with Josh, he did a gingerbread burgers and fries board with orange shortbread fries, almond sugar cookie burger bun, and strawberry sugar cookie burger toppings. It's so neat. This looks Amazing. Amazing. Like, it's one of those things where you're like, I mean, does this, would you fool me into thinking this is a burger? No. But mm-hmm. the fact that you made this out of cookies is amazing. It the was burgers incredible. are this like real seedy kind of mixture that then he dips in chocolate to get, they, they look so much like beef. Like, it's amazing. It's a big triumph, says Paul. The shortbread chips are great. The tomato looks amazing. He does like a um, isomalt. Like a stained glass window yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So amazing. Like, Next the detail. Teeth, like, yeah. Keith makes a tomato poor, also that poor, is poor Keith. Poor Keith. <laughs> Paul says, you don't often get illusions this good. And actually, they introduce Josh's design first, but they judge him. They In the editing, they judge him last. And he goes up. It's so amazing. He goes back back and sits down. Paul like considers himself for a moment and then actually comes out from behind the judging table, goes over to his bench and gives him a handshake, which showstopper handshakes are very rare. They're much more rare than mm-hmm. signature handshakes. I think we've only seen one other showstopper handshake in the past couple seasons, and I'm pretty sure it was for Raul and like maybe two or three seasons, three or four seasons yeah. ago. And it's just, I mean, it is. It's amazing. So good job, Josh. Dana is making a pizza made out of maple pecan shortbread and that is sort of like on top of a date roll. And she'll have biscotti that looks like garlic bread. And this really turns out. The uh, the idea is that it's like a cheesy piece of pizza being pulled from the pie. And so there's like drippings of cheese that are made out of marzipan, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. What did you think? Um, It reminded me of like, you know, like a deep dish sort of like we're doing like Chicago style. Marcos thought it looked too much like spaghetti, like the drippings, like the cheese drippings. But I thought it was pretty amazing. I mean, I knew what it was, like what the effect she was going for. And I thought she did a pretty good job. Totally. Uh, Yeah. When they first showed it, I was like, is this supposed to be like a spaghetti pie with like a pizza coming out of it? I was a little bit confused. But then I understood that it was supposed to be the cheese. And that's fine. You know, we're dealing with way better than I could do. For sure. (laughs) 
for sure. Um, by the way, in the chat, Brianna said she would do tacos. I changed my answer. Definitely tacos. That would be very fun. So for Dana, it really turned out they enjoy it. It has good flavors and textures. It's very original. They love it. Next up is Christy. She does a charcuterie board. She's going to have fondant ginger biscuits that look like cheese, orange and pistachio biscuit brie wheel, and marzipan cured meat. Her cured meat looks really good. Everyone's like, oh, it looks like bacon. Oh, it's supposed to be this other type of cured meat. I'm like, that. it all looks the same. It's like the exactly. white and red, you know, striated. Could be prosciutto, could be totally. parma ham, whatever. Doesn't matter. It looks good. The It looks great. Good flavor. The biscotti is good. She does well. Rowan is also doing a charcuterie. He is doing prosciutto sugar biscuits, a Polish gingerbread, and Polish gingerbread cheeses. His looks a little messy, but it's good flavor, good texture. He does decent, but it's like the illusion isn't quite there. It looks a little bit not as good of artistic skills for yeah. Rowan. Maddie is our third cheese board. He is doing six different biscuits to make his cheeses, macaron, grapes, and Garibaldi crackers. Looks amazing. Lovely shortbread. He does well. What is Garibaldi? Do you know? I actually don't know what that is. Okay. Oh, well. Apparently, it turned out great for him. So good job, Maddie. Let's just Google that real quick because, nope, that's not what it is. Apparently, Giuseppe Garibaldi was a Italian general who contributed to Italian unification. That's not what we're looking for. Allison said very dry raisin biscuits. Okay, great. That's all we need to know. Thank you, Allison. Sounds delicious. Thank you to our our culture. (laughs) Very dry raisin biscuits. Refer to his squash fly biscuits. Oh, That's okay. Even worse. They did those yeah. last year or two yeah. years ago. Thank you for being our cultural attache to yeah. me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> last year we joked that you needed to be here every time, and now you see we really do need you. Abby is doing a dim sum brunch. Sure. This was really cool. It was really cool. She's doing yeah. marzipan and brandy snap egg rolls, a sugar biscuit dumplings, and a biscuit steamer. They like the look. The steamer is really cool. She uses like a silicone brush to kind of get like the bamboo um, texture to the steamer. They have. She has delicious, strong flavors. It's a good bake. She does really well. I like that it has like all these little... I, I feel like doing a dumpling was a good call because it's really just a very short leap away from the actual dough that you're using. And then when they cut into it, it just it looked really great, I thought. I thought it was like really inventive and it, I, I like it when people don't overthink these things like they're like this you know the the stringy cheese from this from the pizza like was very cool but it's also like you're, are you making this harder than it needs to be versus like a basically you're just making a sweet dim sum like you don't really have to change the tech the structure of this so smart idea on abby's part tasha is doing a japanese katsu made of orange and almond biscotti chicken with a biscuit bowl and some other pieces made out of matcha as a reminder tasha used to live in japan for a little while and she says anytime her and her friends go to japanese restaurants they order the chicken katsu as like their standard of how good the Japanese restaurant is. Katsu is usually porked. Oh, good to know. It looks amazing. The bowl is hand painted and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The whole thing is just phenomenal. It's gorgeous. The bowl is not only is it beautifully and beautiful and hand painted, but it's tasty. The chicken is so good. It's like the way that she does it, she mm-hmm. Put some stuff like on nuts the, or nuts, something. Yeah, nuts yeah. on the outside to make it look crusted. It was so looked amazing. The texture is spot on. They love it. She is the first one that they judge. Prue is like you have set a very high bar. Keith is doing a lunchtime meal deal, which just feels very Keith. It's going to be shortbread ham and tomato sandwich with gingerbread bread and a pink and white ice cream cone. He's making like a little tube to hold his crisps, and the first time he does it, it falls apart, and he's like, "I knew this was going to happen." It's like, well, then why did you do it, Keith? Yeah, it was just hard to watch him like just fall apart basically on everything this week like fall apart his tomatoes were just like red round cookies with like little dollops of yellow frosting in them and it just was it you know Keith has said he's not the most like finessed yeah 
you know, if that's not your strength, that's the challenge because everyone else is like out here making these works of art and he's like, that's just not his his strength. The thing is, it's like all of his, every time they said your flavors are great, but presentation or something is just off. Right. He just is not quite there with the, the decorative elements that he needs. So he, he finally gets his crisp tubes to go. But I'm just, again, I'm like, when people say that, when they're like, yeah, this never worked during the, the practice, I really hope it works. You're like, drop it, pick a different plan. Find something new. I don't ever understand. They're like, yeah, I never finished it or I never did. I'm like, rework that. Guys, <laughs> this is a red flag. In the end, it looks okay. Like he doesn't, it's not terrible. His bread's underbaked. Yeah, his it, the biscuit is a little bit raw. The flavors mm. are good, but it's just, especially compared to everyone else's, it's just falls very flat. Saku is making a Sri Lankan breakfast feast. So I guess someone did do breakfast. She is using real onions, which is so funny because Allison comes over and she's like, are these real onions? And Saku's like, yeah, what? She's like, you're supposed to like do an illusion. She's like, but it's a side dish. It's fine. And, <laughs> and they like, didn't even comment on not it, at which all. I was like, oh, okay. It's a non-issue. This is a non-issue. It was just very, like, I thought it was very indicative of Saku being like, yeah, what's the problem? <laughs> I love her. <laughs> love, absolutely love her. She's doing cheddar, rosemary, black pepper, gingerbread, which sounds delicious. Chocolate and coffee biscuit chicken curry. It has an amazing look. They love the spices. She does pretty well. Saku did not get as much camera time in this episode as I would have liked, but that's okay. Nikki is making a steak pie. Um, it's going to be a shortbread pie crust with chocolate steak biscuits, shortbread chips, and marzipan peas. It's not the best look. It's neat. The chocolate steak is great. The gingerbread bowl, though, is too thick and underbaked. So, yeah, that, that didn't look good. It didn't look it just, good. It, they just kept showing so many close-ups of it that it was hard to tell. And um, I don't know, like, so, everything looked great, but there was so much marzipan. And I was like, no one's really going to be eating straight-up marzipan. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, and this was her problem last week, too, with the beaver, where it was like, this looks oh, good. <laughs> But it's just fondant. Like anyone can make it's like those yeah. cake boss episodes where you're like, yeah. this is just They're making fondant. rice crispy treats with right. fondant. And Gross. you're like, this is not like no one's gonna eat this. Like it looks yeah. cool, but like I mm-hmm. can make that if I didn't have to make it edible. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Last up, we have Dan doing a cheese and onion pie with a shortbread pie cr- and pie crust, pistachio shortbread onions, and orange curd cheese sauce with shortbread peas and vanilla chips. His looks amazing. The chips biscuits are a little bit burnt, but they love his pistachio shortbread. Prue says it's a triumph. It looked really cool. It It looked really cool. The inside looked really amazing. Like, yeah, it looked great. Good job, Dan. So really, it all looks so good. Like, again, you know, even though Keith and Nikki were a little less polished, it still didn't look terrible. I feel like even though this group of bakers is maybe not the most, like, interesting personality-wise, they are all super strong bakers. Yes, So going into the final judging, who did you think was going to win? You know, I really did think it was going to be Josh. I knew it was going to be between Josh and Tasha, but I really thought they were going to give it to Josh because I just, I was looking back at my notes and I was like, Josh did really well in like all three, you know, and, but I guess because of the handshake that, you know. Well, he got a handshake too. I know. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. And the showstopper handshake. And the showstopper handshake. I thought so too. I was like, it's between Tasha and Josh and then definitely Keith or Nikki are going home. Yes. I definitely thought Keith was going home. I yeah. was like, he's a disaster. There's no way. Yeah. yeah. So in the end, Tasha gets our baker. Yay, Tasha. I like her so much. <laughs> yeah. And Keith does go home, which it was his time. I feel like I'm glad Biscuit Week is out of the way. It's not my favorite week. I don't know. Maybe I just kind of feel like biscuits can't be that interesting. I agree. I mean, it's like, and there's, yeah, it's a cookie and it just was kind of boring, I yeah. feel. But I do think the showstopper was pretty amazing. 
I agree. That was interesting. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. And I like, yeah, I like the using the biscuit dough over like some of the, that hot water dough. Do you know that one that they always use? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I think that it's one's tough. hot water pastry. It's just something like that. Yeah. When is... they do like the big stand up pies yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. And I, I think like structurally, it can, they, a lot of times during biscuit week, they'll do like some big, like make your house from your childhood or whatever. And they always <laughs> have to, you know, do like a big architecture thing. So I'm glad they didn't do that this year because this was definitely more interesting than that. I'm always just amazed at how talented they are when it comes because you can be like a good baker but then to do something like that is that's a whole other level which whole reminds other me level. I forgot to talk about the technical bake that I did from last week oh yeah yeah the the two-tiered fudge cake with the raspberries on top so a couple of things happened it was not a success first of all in the in all of their recipes they use that you get from the Bake Off website, they use self-rising flour. Yep. flour. I, this I looked is, at the recipe. Yeah, this is not something we have in the US. Yep. I mean, you can find it, but it's it's not the, the norm. And self-rising flour already includes the leavening agent, like the, um, baking, the powder baking powder and, powder, right, and the salt. Mm-hmm. And so you have to add it yourself. And then there was still additional baking powder in the recipe. And I think I had too much baking powder in the oh. end. So I use like King Arthur has like a, you know, for every one cup of flour, you add like a teaspoon and a half of baking powder and a half a teaspoon of salt. So I did that. But then you also had an additional teaspoon and a half of baking powder. Oh, interesting. Or baking soda. I thought it was just baking soda, not baking powder. That's what I meant. It is baking soda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Just baking soda. But so in the end, I ended up with like almost four teaspoons of baking soda. And I was, as I was putting in, I was like, this feels like too much because of the amount of flour I had and then the, the like conversion. Yeah. And, and so what my, the way what happened to my cakes is I think they like rose really fast and then fell. Mm. So the middle had this like bubble in it almost. Mm. So it, just like didn't work out that well. And then my ganache, I used, I followed the recipe to a tea and it didn't set. So it was very, very liquidy. So we ended up having to like put the whole thing. It called for 450 milliliters of double cream, which is almost like a whole little carton, like a small. Yeah, that's so, like two, cu- like a two cups. Two cups. Yeah. Which is a lot. Yeah. And so I had. That is a lot. Yeah, it was, it was like. So how many cups of chocolate? Yeah, it was like basically three and a half chocolate bars. That's not a lot of chocolate either. No. And so yeah. it felt like. As, as I was adding the cream, I was like, this is a lot of cream. Okay. It did not set. And so we ended mm. up having to put the ganache in the fridge to get it to set. And then it basically ended up being a glaze. Like I poured it over the yeah, cake yeah. and then just like put the raspberries on as fast as I could before they went over like the lava flow edge of my ganache. So right now there is a chocolate cake in my fridge um, because otherwise it falls apart. So it was not as it, it was very tasty. I mean, it's chocolate. Yeah. Like It's still made out of yeah. chocolate. It was good. But it just was like there were some weird little tweaks and every time I do this and they make it look so easy and then I do it and I'm like oh this is actually there's so much that can go wrong yeah I wanted to make it I just didn't have time this week because I was like oh let me and then when I saw that there was self-rising flour I was like I'm not buying self-rising flour just for this one recipe because it's it's such so rarely used in recipes like unless you're making biscuits or like a tea cake or something like I it's just so rarely in recipes here. I feel like I need to go buy a bag just for Bake Off season because it keeps showing up and then I don't want to have uh, this like be the reason that my stuff doesn't succeed. Yeah, work. But I had a good time making it. My kids really loved helping. They're getting, so Miles is almost eight, Evie is four and a half. So they're at the age now where they can really help or they, wow. can, Miles can definitely help. Evie can definitely hold a spatula and uh, we have a good time. So that was really fun. It didn't, it didn't look, you know, I wouldn't have presented it to Paul and Prue, but we had a good time with it. But I would not have, I would definitely have taken last in the technical because my ganache did not set. Oh, well, what are you going to do? All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Tina, for thank being you. our celebrity. Thank you. <laughs> and, 
You guys can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can go to our website, joyandclaire.com. You can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. All right, Tina, are you ready? Until next week. On your marks. Get set. Bake. Bake. Oh, we almost <laughs> got it. That was good. <laughs> Thank you, chat friends. Bye-bye. We're never going to get it together. <laughs> <laughs>